Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back. As you just heard, we are MMA Fancast. My name is Jim Mooney. My podcast partner is Luke Payson. And in continuing with um, our last episode, this is another uh, another show of Red vs. Blue out of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. And right now we have with us Lance Lawrence. He is known as the Tornado. He is fighting in week four, and I believe his opponent is Kevin Seiler. Lance himself fights at featherweight. He is 5-0 and as a pro. Um, we'll get into a little more detail on that. He's also undefeated as an amateur. Um, so we've got you – know, this is going to be an interesting interview. Uh, we're going to get some, uh, some nitty-gritty dirt from Lance. Hopefully he obliges for us. Um, <laughs> get right to Lance, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Good. Excellent. So, yeah, as we were talking off air before we started the uh, the podcast, Luke had mentioned that we've reached out to several fighters and started this contender series, Red vs. Blue, and, um, and that's where uh, we came across you. So I, I went into your um, background a little bit, and it jumped out at me. 8-0 as an amateur. All eight victories by stoppages, um, six of them by submissions. Uh, I think only three went past the first round. Something else interesting about your amateur career, um, then you went pro, you are now five, and all five of your victories were by finishes also. And actually, so as a pro, um, all victories were by um, submissions. Um, what I uh, also found interesting is that you started your amateur career as uh, as a lightweight 155 your first pro bout you came in at 150 pound catch weight and now you fought uh, the last four pro fights as a featherweight so you know the tornado i can i can make an assumption on how you got the nickname so let's start with that how did you get that nickname uh the tornado kind of you know it first came around from my mom you know when i left a room you know or Anywhere I went, I was a tornado, basically, and my coaches kind of caught wind of that, and they've seen the way I fight and the way I, I train in the gym, so it, it seems every since. So uh, another little bit uh, of information, things we discussed off air, is that ranked number three in Kentucky for, uh, for pro featherweights. Where did your um, interest in MMA start? How did your interest in wanting to beat other people up start to where you wanted to get paid for it? Well, as as long as I can remember, even when I was a little kid, I always wanted to do martial arts and be a martial artist. That was just something I always wanted to do. I was too poor and bounced around too much as a child to ever get involved in it. 
But in high school, when I was 16 years old, I met some guys who were training for amateur MMA fights in their garage. And I, um, I just, tr I got off the school bus every day and started training with them and they would beat the crap out of me. And, uh, you know, uh, I just kept coming back and before you know it, I was, just, I was just hooked and I just knew this is really what I wanted to do. I was training guys for their cage fight, training with them for their cage fights when, you know, I was just 16 and I just knew out of high school, this is what I was going to put all my energy and focus into. And, uh, you know, I've never looked back. Well, obviously that's paid off for you, you know, having an undefeated pro and amateur record. Uh, before we get into some of the other stuff, I know Jim's got some questions for you, Lance. I guess my question is, you're the second person we've had on the show that talked about being an MMA fighter from the beginning. So it sounds like you did not start Taekwondo or Judo. You started training all aspects of MMA. What do you think the benefit of it is of doing it that way, of starting in an MMA mindset as opposed to doing boxing first or wrestling first? I mean, we all have bad habits, but, you know, every, every discipline, I guess, has a few bad habits that are hard to break that aren't great for MMA. So I guess you can call that discipline. Like, I made sure I never learned any of those bad habits right out the bat. Like, you know, just, there's just certain things with every – like with boxing, you don't, obviously don't want to dip your head too low or you're getting kicked in the face or need, you know, just little things like that. Your background, as Luke had mentioned, is MMA. You know, what I would um, refer to as grappling, where it's a mix of different forms of martial arts. Now, you had mentioned just before we got uh, started with recording that you got uh, a couple schools that, that you train at. So you want to give us a little more of that background and um, maybe who your coaches are and where they might help you specialize in certain areas? Yes, I would love to um, give some credit to my coaches that are preparing me all the time. Um, one of my longtime coaches, June Millar, he grew up in the Philippines with Manny Pacquiao um, back before Pacquiao ever got really big. And uh and now that they're 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 kind of friends now again and still talk, but uh, he's been one of my head striking coaches and conditioning coaches for a long time. Uh, but right now, uh, who I'm working with every day is uh, Crew Rock Cruz. He's I train with him under my Muay Thai, and then I train with Scott Smith at Gracie Jiu Jitsu of Kentucky, and I train with Momir Pekovic. He is an uh, Olympic gold medalist. Greco-Roman wrestler who also coached along the Olympic team for about 15 years. And uh, so I got a lot of work. And then I trained with the Ferguson brothers, who uh, the Fighting Fergusons. They're kind of a big name out here. And I, I trained with them at Louisville Combat Academy. And uh, we help push each other all the time. Um, I, you know, I was training with Isaiah Ferguson the other day. He's one of the top pros around here as well. But, uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that for right now. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, whoever it is. I'm sorry. I'm, you know. The whole city gets together and supports me, man. Yeah, no, we weren't putting you on the spot. Just I'm um, trying to get some feedback for our listeners out there because, you know, with a record like that, it doesn't sound like you're going to be disappearing um, into the shadows anytime soon, especially with not only uh, the record, but um, the way that you've amassed those wins and uh, the different types of submissions that you have. So, um, so the other uh, question I have before I'm going to uh, pass it off to Luke we have talked to several fighters. I spoke with um, this fighter yesterday at a media day that, that we were invited to for a, a local promotion. And when I asked him about um, his record, you know, he had a, a, a long 
um, win-loss uh, record combination on the amateur side. And we talked about that a little bit. And his response immediately afterwards was, records are for DJs. What he was basically saying is, you know, he doesn't necessarily look at his wins and losses. And by all means, he wants to come out on top. But he wants to make sure that he's improving as he goes along as his career progresses. So we all have different losses in life. But you haven't experienced that either on the amateur side or on the other pro side. And maybe you go through your career and you never experience that. You know, we know uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov in the UFC. He's there. Um, That is a tall task. And I feel like that puts a target on on your back or right square in the middle of your forehead. Guys are gunning for you. So how do you you take that as motivation knowing that you are now the one that everybody's looking to, you know, dethrone, so to speak? Well, first off, Khabib is the goal. You know, um, what is he, 26-0 and 0 now? That That's what mm-hmm. I would – that's kind of around where I would like – how I would like to retire, 26-0, and 0, UFC Hall of Fame, UFC you know, world champion, but, but now he keeps raising the bar. I think he's about to go 27 and oh, there's that. But uh, as far as, you know, being undefeated and, and, and people and having people having losses, uh, I've, I've had losses, not, not in an MMA fight, but I've had professional grappling matches. I've done jujitsu tournaments and I've been tapped out in front of people. I really didn't want to get tapped out in front of, um, I've lost matches I really did not want to lose, and um, you know they, they destroyed me. Uh, but they made me better. They made me better, and they made me a better person. And it shows in my in my MMA fight. You know, I, I know that I can be beat. You know, I, I get beat all the time in training, so I don't ever think that I can be. I'm unbeatable. That plays a big part. Yeah, that's the humility. That's the humble side. I think that is so important that the fighters like you that have an undefeated professional record know they can be beaten and that's why you train as well as you do. I think that's something that people, when you see some cocky fighters and obviously Connor has an air of cockiness and that, that's his shtick and it works, but um, in the gym, you have to be humble because if you're not humbled in the gym, you're going to be humbled in the cage. And it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with the correct athletes and trainers so that they keep you humble they keep you working hard and like you said you you lose all the time in the in the in the training room so that way you can win um in the cage and i think that's a good thing have you um are you coaching any mma bjj striking at your at a gym or anything like that class i don't i don't lead a class i mean i have here and there you know for some money and uh, I've, t- I've picked up some classes here and there, but um, you know, right now it, it's single mindset. I quit my job a few weeks ago. Um, you know, a- everything I do is focused on this opportunity. It's the biggest opportunity I could ever imagine. Um, I'm not about to waste it or not give 150%. So, um, but coaching is something I definitely want to do. And, th- and that's where I plan on taking my life after fighting. Um, and, and people that I train with and all through the gyms, they know that they can ask me anything. If they want any advice on supplements, training, recovery, runs, just moves, anything, they know they, know they can just ask me, and I'll help them any way I can. And, and, that, and that's kind of how it goes. You know, other fighters that I work with, though, you know, anytime they, they all feel 
know that they can ask me anything and I'll, and I'll help them out and lead them the right way. I'll lead them to the right coach that may be best for them or what they're looking for. Sure, that's a great answer to that question. I think that's a great mindset that you have. I, uh, just looking at your, um, your stats on Tapology, it looks like your fights uh, have been almost exclusively with Hard Rock MMA. And I was curious if, um, if they were helpful in the push for you to get on to the Contender Series. You know, how did that play out, you know, that you got that call? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I owe a, a great deal of my career success to Hard Rock MMA and the owners over there. They, um, they've always taken great care of me. And um, basically, they, they go out and find me fights when no one else can, um, especially, you know, when I step into the professional leagues. As an amateur, you know, it's, it's just kind of crazy everywhere for everybody. But in the pro leagues, um, you know, it, I've definitely struggled with some fights especially with my amateur record and and fighting here locally and um you know as far as traveling other places uh you know i the pay just wasn't right it was what i could make right here versus someone crazy you know the number one guy in the state or something so it always just worked out best here at hard rock mma and um you know it, it worked out great for me i've built a great fan base here um you know so i think it i think it was all for the best and i'm very thankful to them my first fight, my opponent actually weighed 173 pounds, and I weighed like 160. He, uh, he had my, I had a bunch of people fall out, and he was the guy who took it. So you know, we just said show up. So your walk around, um, I'm assuming, is not a big weight for you to get down to uh, 145. It's not a hard weight cat at all. It's um, it's perfect for me actually. You know, it, I think it's just the right weight class. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, discipline, obviously, you know, it's discipline for a reason, but, um, you know, I don't struggle in the sauna. I, you know, the most I've ever sauna my whole career is four or five pounds max. I've never cut, you know, I, it's all diet preparation and preparation. As an MMA fighter, do you follow anybody in particular, either UFC, Bellator, 1FC, and do you have anybody, uh, we're not asking you to call anybody out, but... You know, sitting back, you watch pay-per-views or fight nights. You know, do you <clears throat> size yourself up against anybody and, you know, think, yeah, that, that's my competition there or, you know, I'm not at that level yet? I've got this dream of uh, fighting Max Holloway, man. Um, I just think it would be an amazing fight. You know, I love him as a fighter. You know, I, I love watching his fights. You know, he's a great guy. And I would love the honor to share the cage with him one day. So, I mean, as far as my division, that's that. But, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I follow a lot of people in the UFC and fighters. And, and you know, and I take what, what I like from what they do. You know, Demetrius Johnson, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, you know, even GSP. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so many. There's so many. Damien Mine. I have a lot a lot of uh people, but yeah, you know, I love Demetrius Johnson, you know, the way he fights, the way he moves, Dominique Cruz, uh, just to name a few. As a fan sitting back, for me, that uh featherweight and lightweight I think are fun to watch uh weight classes. And I did uh, I'm looking for the uh um the stats on it, but I I did a rundown of 
uh, all the fights that are scheduled so far from week one through, I don't think there's anything on week 10 yet. Um, and this is in regards to all the fights for the contender series. And it is super heavy, featherweight, lightweight, and uh, light heavyweight. And there's, you know, some heavyweight in there also. So, you know, I think Dana and the rest of the UFC, you know, the brass, see that that's where, um, where the money is in those weight classes. You know, fans gravitate towards them. The guys you mentioned, I'm big fans of them also. What you're going into, I look at it as kind of small-scale, regional show. We talked with another fighter recently um, about how there's an app here that is um, kind of tough to reproduce on the big stage, and you don't get that same um, crowd noise, so to speak, or that, that same feel with a regional event, and I think it's for obvious reasons, that you would at the, at the big, big stage. In a regional events, you got a lot of friends, um, families there to support you, and with what you've done, Hard Rock has really invested in you, and so you develop a fan following that way when you uh, show up on their cards often. Um, so going into UFC's new Apex gym, does crowd noise ever um, play a factor in what's going on inside the cage for you? I try not. I try to not let it, um, especially because, uh, you know, I just have a big following around here. So I try to never feed into that when people are cheering me on when I'm going in there. You know, I just listen for my coach's voice. That's all I'm listening for is what my coaches are telling me to do uh, that, you know. So I don't – I mean, I think it's definitely going to be way different. It's going to be way quieter there. You know, it's a, I've, I've talked to some people that have been on the show. So uh, I've got a little bit know of what to expect. I've been studying it. I've been watching this season. It's really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to be, you know, amongst the first people to ever fight at the UFC Apex Gym. To me, that's legendary. Um, and I'm just, I'm just thankful to be there and to just have the opportunity to show what I can do, man. So, I don't know if it was week one. I think it was week one. I, I forget the uh, the fighter's name, where he won his fight, but last ten seconds or fifteen seconds, something like that, he didn't go for the finish, and and I think Dana was expecting him to go for that, or he had the opportunity and he, he uh, went for a shot. But after after the event was over and Dana was interviewed, he specifically said, "This isn't." you know, word for word quote, that he wasn't giving the guy a contract. He, he thought he was phenomenal, but he's looking for finishers. And, and he said he'll probably be in the UFC one day, but, but not now. And, you know, so with your record and all of your fights have been finishes, is that something that you look for to go for the finish? I mean, I don't think I ever played in the game plan because, you know, the game plan's three rounds of war. You know, that's that's what we're ready to, when we get in there for, three rounds of absolute war. But, um, you know, every second I'm in there, I'm hunting. I'm hunting to kill. So, you know, that, that's just how the cookie crumbles, I guess. Um, but uh, that's why they're bringing me in, I believe. You know, I, if I was 5-0 and with five decision wins, I don't think. You know, I just got to deliver, bring the best me there is, and uh, I believe I'll bring a, a finish to Dana White and get my UFC contract. It's interesting that you uh, you said it's a war and you're uh, hunting to kill. I uh, spoke with 
a fighter yesterday said something similar to that. There's another fighter we interviewed a few weeks ago where they have spoken about that and and said that you know MMA is is basically akin to legalized homicide and that if you don't take the attitude one day you're going to find yourself squaring off against somebody who has that mindset and you're going to be in trouble. You know, I thought that was an interesting take. Um, and that there was a, uh, an, another fighter who said that it's the referee's job to make sure that doesn't happen within the rules. You know, he's, uh, it's, it's his job to stop that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, some of my, some of my training sessions feel like being controlled and murdered legally. Sometimes that's kind of what it is, man. You know, we try to make it, you know, flashy, but at the end of the day, we're trying to take each other out. Myself and Luke certainly appreciate the time that you've given us. I know, you know, in your preparations for your upcoming fight, I believe it is in July. And we certainly wish you all the best and hope for the best for all the fighters that we talk to. Thank you all again, and you have a good one. Again, for myself, Jim Mooney, my podcast partner, Luke Payson, that's it for Pitt. Thanks for listening to MMA FanCast.